Well, good morning, second service. So glad you're here with us today. We had a great first service. We had a great time of worship this morning. Let's give the worship team a hand. Now, you may have noticed this morning that we were missing a big component of our worship team, right? Like a six foot four inch guy that's usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, he, uh, Rusty's on vacation, but uh, man, we are blessed with uh, so much talent and so many great hearts on our worship ministry. And so I just love it when our guys can be on vacation and the ministry just goes on without, without a hitch, right? It's a pretty, pretty awesome thing. So, hey, we're in a series called Armor Up. This is week three, and uh, hopefully you've been following along with us. And if you haven't, those are always available in the archives online. Um, I want you to engage in the message this morning by looking at the scripture as we're reading it uh, from the Word of God. So if you have your Bible this morning, turn it to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you don't have your Bible, we have you covered. If you have one of those devices like this, you know, a phone or a tablet, go ahead and uh, grab that, download the Oakwood app. And in there is a little tab uh, on the page, a little towel that says Sermon Notes. If you click on that, all the scriptures and all the bullet points and all that will be there for you. Uh, we just want you to engage with the Word of God this morning. Allow Him to speak to you uh, more than I'm speaking today. It's, it's Him, and allow Him to just speak to our hearts today. We, we are engaged in spiritual warfare, whether we want to admit it or not. It's going on around us all of the time. That, this passage we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks in Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we are to put on the full armor of God. And, and if, you, if you need armor, what does that imply? If I say, hey, you need to go put your armor on, what, what, am, I, what am I telling you? You're about to engage in battle. We, we do this in sports sometimes, that we um, put on equipment to engage, right? So if you're playing football, sometimes it's good to have a helmet on. Uh, sometimes I think that would be good for soccer as well. Uh, but, but for football, uh, it's good to have a helmet on. You've got the shoulder pads, you know, and you've, you've got the, the, the pants with the, the thigh pads and the hip pads and the knee pads. and You know, you put on this equipment. Why? Because you are engaged in a battle on a football field, trying to get a first down, trying to get a touchdown, trying to get a win. It's that same concept here, but it's not a sports analogy in our passage. It's something that the apostle Paul is using that's very near and dear to his heart, this body armor. Understanding this context, Ephesians chapter 6, the entire letter of Ephesians. Paul's writing that, most scholars believe, in chains in a Roman prison. That literally he may have been chained to a Roman guard while he's writing this. What did a Roman guard or a Roman centurion wear? The Roman armor. And maybe it's through this imagery as he's sitting here penning this and the Lord and the Holy Spirit is speaking to him and he's, he's writing this down. He's looking at the soldier and he's using that as, as an illustration of how we are to be equipped for spiritual battles and spiritual warfare as God's people. And he implores us to put on the full armor of God. Now sometimes we feel like, ah, we're not really engaged in a battle or anything, and I think that's 100% on us. I just think if, if Satan has you neutralized and you don't ever share your faith, you don't ever serve him, you never stand for truth, you push back on the, on the, on the, uh, on the world and, and you're not serving the kingdom of God, it's not a high priority in your life, he's got you in neutral, it's like, that's exactly where I want you to be. It's exactly where I want you to stay. And so I'm not going to mess with you. <laughs> you, you, you you're, you're neutral and you're neutralized, and that's what I want all of God's people to be. I don't want any on-fire Christians, you know, doing crazy things for Jesus and sharing their faith and getting all crazy, engaging the culture, you know. 
And so sometimes I think if we feel like, man, I'm just not like feeling like I'm in the battle, I'm in the war, we might want to look at, are we on mission? Are we doing the Great Commission? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we doing what he's called us to do? Let's look at the text today, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to add to it uh, what we've been studying over the last few weeks. Today we'll be looking and really focusing in on verses 15 and 16. But I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 where we started this series and, and kind of uh, go through some of this, remind us of some things and tie this all together. So Ephesians uh, 6 chapter, or, or chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, remember he's ending this letter, uh, he's written to these Christians in Ephesus, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not your own power. This isn't a try harder, do better Christian type of thing. This is a, we're calling on the Lord God Almighty, and he's going to help us fight these battles. He's going to give us this equipment, this body armor. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's through that power that you can say no to sin and you can turn to God. And he says, in that mighty power. And then he says in verse 11, put on. The full armor of God, not part of it. That's, that's something we do as Christians sometimes. Well, I'll put on part of the armor of God, but I'm not going to put on the whole thing. I mean, that's a little cray-cray, right? Just get, get the whole body armor. No, I'll just put on this part, put on that part. That part makes me uncomfortable. I, I don't know. He says to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Here's the first time he introduces that concept, that we're standing against something. So that you'll be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Because the devil's a liar and he's out to get you. Just like uh, the song by Colton Dixon says, you know, the devil is a liar, right? And it's true. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. And verse 12 says, for our struggle, remember, our, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, that we fight with other humans sometimes. We feel like, all oh, this battle's against my brother over here, my sister over here, this person at work or whatever. No, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because it's a spiritual battle, therefore we need to be equipping ourselves spiritually. Therefore, put on part of the armor, no, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? What did he say back there in verse 11? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right here he says, so that you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand and then verse 14, he reminds us again. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet, these are new verses today, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, all of these, these pieces of the armor we're talking about, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. We're going to talk about that, flaming arrows and how we extinguish those. And we put on this armor and Last week in the message, uh, Alan talked about two pieces of the armor. He talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Now, sometimes when we read Scripture, I think we don't understand completely, or maybe we don't even think this way, we don't try to comprehend. Is there a, a certain order to this? I mean, was, was when, when, when the Holy Spirit was carrying along Paul to write these words that are going to be the holy word of God, the scripture, the Bible, when, when that process was going on, do you think God was strategic that he would start with this belt of truth, 
Or that maybe, you know, maybe he meant the helmet of salvation, which is, which is next week's verse. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what he meant, but he, but he started, no. There's strategy to everything in Scripture. Everything's put in order perfectly because it's God's Word. And here we start with this belt of truth, and Alan talked about this last week, that it, it kind of held everything together. It was kind of a, a utilitarian belt. It, it held the garments in place. It, it kind of checked everything. You would, you would have the sheath for your sword attached to that. And, and that this under, it was kind of an under part. It wasn't this part that was just totally out there and exposed. But it was very important. And it was called the belt of truth because the truth was the foundation that all the other body armor is built upon. The truth is the foundation that our faith is built upon. How can you take up a shield of faith as we're talking about today, if you do not have this belt of truth. And you get to the point today, and you wonder, you have to ask yourself, does the truth really matter anymore? Because if you listen to media, and you you get online, and you look at our world, you say, no, 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 it doesn't matter to a lot of people. A, A lot of people are deceived. A lot of people think the truth doesn't matter anymore because what does the world say to you? The world says to you, truth is whatever, whatever truth is truth for you. And really, it's so absurd. It's so frustrating to think about how the world was like, well, that's not true, you know, and well, this, this is true for you, but not for me. And it's like, really, is there no absolute truth? There is absolute truth. And where you find it, you find it in the Word of God, the Word of Scripture, which is why we will always study the Word of God. We will study the Bible because this is the truth and this is the foundation. And that's the foundation of this body armor is you have to have this belt of truth. And you have this breastplate of righteousness that that Alan talked about last week. And and if you think about it, it protects all the vital organs. This protects your core. This protects the core of who you are. It protects, right here in the middle of our chest, what do we call it? It protects our heart, right? Heart's pretty important. Got to protect your heart. If you don't protect your heart and it quits beating this morning, what happens? Everything else shuts down. It's over. And so we have this belt of truth. We're going to build that as a foundational piece. And then we have this breastplate of righteousness that we put in place. And then we get to verse 15 today. And it talks about how that we have this piece of armor that's this, that our feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. You know, how strange is that? But I want us to remember that as we're going through this armor, it's all connected. This is the full armor of God. And that a Christian soldier is to be well-equipped and have all of this equipment, all of this armor put on together. I want to share three thoughts on verses 15 and 16 with you this morning. Let's read those just to refresh our memory. It says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That word readiness gives us us this idea of preparation. That it's this readiness. We are prepared with the gospel of peace. We're prepared to share the gospel of peace. And then in verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Three thoughts this morning on these two verses. The first one is this. The gospel of peace readies us for the spiritual war. The gospel of peace readies us for spiritual war. Now that kind of seems like a contradiction. You don't prepare with peace for war. You prepare weapons and attack plans and you sharpen, you know, and this time you sharpen spears and arrows and swords and 
That's, you, don't, yeah, you don't prepare for peace to go to war, right? You're hoping maybe in some way that the war will produce peace, but the peace, the peace preparing you for war, but it's absolutely true when you put on the armor of God. Is this gospel, and that word gospel means good news, and the good news is always the good news about Jesus, the Son of God, coming into this world, dying on the cross, being resurrected from the dead so that we can walk in newness of life, so that we can have forgiveness of sins. And the gospel of peace readies us for this spiritual war. And how it's talking about it in the scripture today, in the text in verse 15, it talks about our feet being fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now this concept of feats taking good news in a gospel actually goes back to the Old Testament. And you're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said that the gospel, the good news, was the good news about Jesus, and that would be New Testament. That would be like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, when Jesus was born, in the manger of Bethlehem, and then everything moving forward. It cannot be in the Old Testament unless it was kind of like a prophetic word, which it is. It's from the book of Isaiah, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And Isaiah says this in Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are those feet. Let's put up a picture here of, of what the Roman footwear for this body armor would look like in this time. I don't know if that's a fashion statement, but I'm thinking not beautiful. How about you? And what's interesting is this is uh, most, most uh, historians and theologians believe this is really what the legitimate uh, Roman soldier sandals look like. Well, oftentimes you'll see in the bottom of them, it's almost like a cleat. It was to give them traction as they're marching, as they're advancing uh, uh, with their army, as they're moving forward. And they had all these leather straps across the top, and especially heavy in the front over the top of the foot and the toes. And it was to offer some kind of barrier of protection, but also what was so important was the soles not only to give traction, but to protect the bottom of the feet. Why? Why would they make this legit-looking shoe for soldiers? It's because that was important, right? If we're going to have movement, if we're going to advance something, like we're going to advance this line from here to here, it's important to what? It's important to have our feet ready. And so they've got to be fitted. It's got to be a good-fitting footwear. And it, and it prepares us, and it's, and it's readying us to make advancements. And that's the imagery that the Apostle Paul is giving us here about the gospel, is that we're to be advancers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are to have this gospel of peace ready on our mind, on our lips, in our heart, and we are to take it and we are to move forward with it. That we are moving forward because the gospel of peace readies us for spiritual war. There's this readiness and this protection that when we put on these shoes of the gospel, and we understand what Jesus did for us, and we appreciate deeply and are thankful and grateful for what the Lord's Son has done and suffered for us. And then he says what in the Great Commission? He says to go into all the world. So if we have to go, we have to what? We have to move, right? We have to move. We have to go into all the world and share the gospel. 
We have to go into all the world. What does it say in Matthew 28, 19? It says to go into all the world and make disciples. A disciple is a fully devoted, lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. So we are to go into the world and make disciples. And how do we do that? We baptize them, it says. We teach them to obey everything that he's commanded us in the word of Scripture. To stay on track with God. To be pleasing to God. And to look different and changed and redeemed and sanctified and different than the world. How beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel. But we have to be ready to share it. In, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Let's say that. Always be prepared. Now say it like Christians that mean it, okay? Always be prepared. There we go. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. What did it say in verse 15? That our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from this gospel of peace. And this readiness, this preparation is preparing us in advance to share the gospel. How beautiful are the feet, Isaiah 52, 7 said, that bring the good news forward. The gospel of peace that we receive readies us to walk out our faith right into spiritual warfare, right into the face of Satan. We're walking. Second thing this morning. The most victorious Christian is a witnessing Christian. The most victorious Christian is a witnessing Christian. If you have someone that you looked up to in the faith, I'm sure that one of the qualities that they have is that they are a person that talks about Jesus. It seems like every Christian family has one of these people from a generation ago. It was grandma, it was grandpa, it was great-grandma, it was great-grandpa. But one of them, everybody talks about, oh, I love my great-grandma. Why? It's because she was just so positive and so loving and so graceful. Why? Well, she just always talked about Jesus. That's it. Someone who always talks about Jesus. Someone who has their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Someone who is advancing the mission and taking serious the great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples. That person is someone we look up to in the faith and go, oh, I love them. Why? Because they were ready to share their faith always. And obeying the great commission action and doing what we are called to do by God is the mission of the Christian foot soldier. And what Paul's imploring us to do here with this imagery, with these feet that are fitted, is that these feet are ready to take the gospel into the world and take it into the darkest places and to push back on all that Satan is trying to take, to push back on all of the boundary lines that he's trying to draw lines in the sand and the Christians are stepping, right, and stepping over and pushing into that and saying, I'm advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. Onward, Christian soldiers, right? In Romans chapter 16, verses 17 through 20, it gives us this special 
uh, passage of verses here, and it talks about being obedient to, to Christ. Listen to what it says, uh, Romans 16, 17 to 20. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles before your feet, right? Put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. they got their own agenda, their own plan. They're moving their own way. They're not moving God's way. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. That, that word there means like weak-minded people. Like people that just don't get it. The naive people. Listen to this. It says, everyone has heard about your obedience. You've taken serious the laws of God. You've taken serious the marching orders of the Great Commission. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and to be innocent about what is evil, and then listen to what happens. And then the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you because he's the one that did it for us. And it's on his power that this is even possible. Be wise about what is good. Be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet. And your feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Taking the ground for the kingdom of God. Can you picture the Apostle Paul? The situation that he's in. He could have been sitting here penning this with one hand. Chained to a Roman guard or centurion with the other. And looking at these feet. And saying, yes, Christians are going to have these feet and they're going to go all over the world. And they're going to walk right out of this first century and all this persecution that we're going through. Remember, he's in prison. They're going to walk out of prisons. They're going to walk all over the earth. This is going to spread. This is going to spread, I don't know, Enid, Oklahoma, I don't even know what that place is yet, probably not even established yet, but Enid, Oklahoma someday is going to have the gospel of peace because some Christians took it serious and started sharing their faith and advancing their gospel, and they did it because they were equipped with the knowledge of God, their feet were fitted with the readiness, the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, and because of that, they were on the offensive for God, taking kingdom territory for the kingdom of God. You're not distracted when you are on mission with God. And the most victorious Christians that you look up to in your life, maybe it's your mom or dad, you look up to somebody and you say, man, I want their faith. Man, I want to walk it out like they did. I, I want to baptize people like they did. I want to share my faith like they did. I, I want to make a difference in the world like they did. They were on mission and they were focused on executing the mission of the Lord. To make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And those Christian soldiers were advancing the gospel because their feet were ready with the gospel of peace. And they were always prepared. They were always prepared. Readiness, preparation. They are always prepared to talk to anyone who asked them about the hope that they had. And they would share Christ with them. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Have we put on the footwear that we need? The gospel of peace readies us for spiritual war. The most victorious Christians are the witnessing Christians. And if you're finding you're feeling like a defeated Christian today, you're not doing jack for the gospel. Start doing that and watch the victory come into your life 
and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Huh. If you don't know what the huh is, there was a song that we sang in youth group back in the 90s. Romans 16, 19 says, is what it said when we sang this song anyway. Last thing this morning. Our faith shields us from the flaming arrows of temptation and discouragement. Our faith shields us from the flaming arrows of temptation and also the flaming arrows of discouragement. I have a picture of this. It's important that we understand what this piece of the armor looked like, this, this shield of faith. Look at, look at this. This, this shield of faith, and you know, this isn't probably an exact replica, but it's the best I could find on the wonderful world of the internet. But most of the time, these shields, if you can picture it, that's about two foot wide and about four and a half feet tall. Okay, so this, is, this isn't some little, you know, shield that goes around your arms, this little, you know, this is like a big shield. In, in fact, when they went to war, oftentimes, the, the soldiers would lock these shields together and set them in the ground and, and be able to be behind them. And whatever the people were shooting at them, the arrows were coming, uh, whatever the people were attacking them with, they would stand behind these shields. And they were, they were big enough, they would actually cover their whole body. And if they got side to side with their, with their brothers in the war, they would put these shields in the ground side by side and crouch behind them. And, and, and they were huge. Most of the time they were made of wood. It, you know, some, some people argue oh, they were made of metal. They had, may have had metal components, but they were more than likely made of wood just for the cost and for the preparation. But the problem is, what if you're trying to attack all of these shields? You can never get to these people because they're shielded. And they have these big wooden shields. What are we going to do? Flaming arrows, right? Flaming arrows. And it's a thing. They would actually take a piece of cloth and they would, they would soak it in, in some kind of a chemical. And then they'd light them and they'd shoot them. And then, then now you've got a problem, right? You've got this wooden shield receiving a flaming arrow and it's just lighting the wood on fire. It's burned the camp. They shot those flaming arrows into villages. They shot those flaming arrows into homes and into buildings. And you know what a flame does? It's not good. It can burn the whole house down. It can burn the shield up. Can burn the soldiers. And so it's interesting that the Apostle Paul here is saying that you're going to use this shield to extinguish the, the flaming arrows of the evil one. But they got smart. And what they started doing is they started taking animal hide. And, they, and you, you could see this sometimes in the pictures too. Is they would, they would wrap the wooden shield in this animal hide. And then what they would do is they would soak it in water before they went to battle. And that hide would suck up the water. And then as they're marching to battle, if they saw that the enemy was going to be coming against them with these arrows, they, as they're marching into battle, and they put their shield down, and here come the flaming arrows. Guess what happens when the flaming arrows hit wet rawhide? They extinguish the flaming arrows. And it was that kind of imagery and, and, and that knowledge that the Apostle Paul had that he knew that these soldiers had because he'd seen their shields and he'd heard about these battles that he gives us this illustration here. Again, just, just an illustration to paint in our minds of how our shield of faith, we are shielded and we are protected by our faith and how they extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now we need to define faith. Faith is believing God is who he says he is and that he will do all he has promised to do. Now, that's just my, my definition of faith. 
Believing God is who he says he is and that he will do all he's promised to do. That is faith. The Bible defines faith probably better than my definition in Hebrews 11.1. In Hebrews 11.1 it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That is faith. And it says here in our scripture that that's to be our shield. That's to be our protection. Christians, we don't get a hedge of protection. We get a shield of faith. And we take God at his word and we believe in him. And when the onslaught of the flaming arrows come, and sometimes it's a heavy barrage of temptation, we get in these circumstances where we just feel like we're under the attack of Satan. It's like I brought this sin pattern in my life and I, I brought it under the control of Christ. I submitted it to Jesus Christ. He helped me to repent and to leave this part of my life of sin. And yet I feel like the flaming arrows are shooting in this area of my life. And it could be any area of your life. Some of you, it's, it's maybe money. Right? It's like I make money so I can make more money, and I'm hoping to make more money. I need more money because I, I like to spend money. I like what money buys me, and, and so I'm always, my life is about money. And one day God delivered me from that, and he made me trust him for his provision, and, and he made me a generous person that I share with others, and I become God's flow of money to other people. And, but then something happened, and the Flaming arrows came, and I didn't take up my shield of faith, believing God is who he is, believing he said he'll, all he promised to do, and believing that he will provide for me, and believing that even if I'm generous, he'll provide for me. And the flaming arrows came, and I find myself going back into old patterns of non-Christian, pre-before-Christ type of faith. And yet... The scripture says we're to take up the shield of faith. Look what it says in verse 16. In addition to all this other armor we've put on already, in addition to all of this, take up. Take up. Grab it. Hold it up. Use it. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows. All of them. All of them. All of them. That kind of faith. Extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, sometimes you feel like, man, you're, man, I could feel that heavy barrage under attack, like a hundred flaming arrows just pelt me right now. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's just your thought life. Maybe it's your speech. Maybe it's some kind of abuse of a substance. Maybe it's some lifestyle that you're oh, yeah, I want to live this lifestyle. I'm not going to define things on God's terms. I'm going to define it my own way. And whatever it is, Right? Whatever it is, that struggle, those flaming arrows come, those temptations come, and we are called to stand firm in our passages and to take up the shield of faith that will extinguish all of the flaming arrows of evil. But sometimes I know you're like, man, I don't feel like it's like a hundred flaming arrows. Sometimes it's just like a little, like a dart a flaming dart of the evil. Maybe just a little bit of discouragement. Maybe it's a little bit of depression or, or despair. Maybe it's just, just fear. Maybe it's just discouragement. And, and we're, but yet we're reminded in Scripture that faith 
is our victory. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. When you are born again, you overcome the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You remember that old hymn? Faith is the victory, it said. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. How do we overcome the world? How do we extinguish these, these arrows of the evil one? How do we extinguish these, maybe, maybe it's not a big barrage of arrows, maybe it's just these fine little fiery darts, but how do we overcome, how do we become overcomers? How do we deal with this stuff? It is faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes everything this world will throw our way, everything the evil one will throw our way. The gospel of peace readies us for spiritual war. The most victorious Christians are the witnessing Christians. And our faith shields us from the flaming arrows of temptation and discouragement. And all throughout, interwoven throughout our passage, is this idea of stand firm. Take your stand Stand against the devil's evil schemes. Take up the full armor so you can stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of that, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And it's amazing the correlation we have between peace and war in the Christian walk. Between peace and faith. The peace of God brings faith, and faith brings the peace of God. So many times I think when we think of the peace of God, we think of it as a feeling, right? We feel, we feel the peace of God. It's a, it's a feeling, subjective feeling that we have. I just... Have this peace of mind. It's the peace of God. But primarily, it's not a subjective feeling. It's actually an objective status. Think about this. We have a new relationship with God. Once we were his enemies, and now we are his friends. And because of that, the peace of God that surpasses understanding, Philippians 4 says, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And how does that work? What's guarding our hearts? The breastplate of righteousness. What's guarding our, our really our whole body can get behind it is this shield of faith. Romans 5.1 puts it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, some of you this morning may feel highly motivated. Yes, I want to take up the full armor of God. But perhaps your next step is probably not what you think it is. I imagine there's some of us here this morning that are probably at this place where it's like, you know what? I want to put on the form of God, but I've never, I've never accepted Christ. I mean, the shield of faith, I, I don't really have 
faith. I've not placed that in Jesus Christ. And so before you put on the full armor of God, the scripture says you need to put on the full watery grave of baptism. That you need to place your your faith in God. And we need to do what the Great Commission says. And we're going to make disciples. How? We're going to baptize them. And we're going to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus was baptized. And he says, those that come to faith in me, those that come and put their faith in me, before they put on that armor, they put on the watery grave of baptism. And this is symbolic washing away of sins and being raised to walk in newness of life. And then, through the process of sanctification and growth, we begin, as we get out of that watery grave of baptism, as we make that decision to put our faith in Christ, we, we come out and we start to put on the full armor of God because the attacks are going to come, right? The attacks are going to come. And Satan's going to immediately start coming against us. When Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, in that upper room discourse that we get from John's gospel, uh, chapters 13 through 17, Jesus many times in there is trying to bring this peace of God to his disciples. I mean, they've been with him every day for three years of their life, and they've seen everything that he can do. He has more than proved that he is the Son of God, that he is omniscient, that he is powerful, and yet they're going to watch him be crucified, and it's going to seem like he's not going to do anything about it. I mean, he's strong and he's powerful. He can raise the dead. I mean, just a few months ago, Lazarus, who'd been dead for like four days, Jesus comes and says, hey, Come on out, Lazarus. He's already wrapped up in burial cloths. And he comes walking out of that tomb. I mean, this Jesus. And yet, through that whole passage, Jesus is telling the disciples, one of the things he tells them is that um, it is good that I should go because there's one that will come after me. And he calls him the Comforter. If you read that in that passage, it's got a capital C, the Comforter. And it's a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. And he says, hey, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come. And he's actually going to live inside of you. He's going to dwell inside of you. And he's going to be your guide, and he's going to bring you peace. The peace of God. And if you're outside of Christ this morning, that's what you need the most. And I don't want you to leave and go home today after this service and, and, and not reach out to someone about that. But there's probably some of us too this morning that we're, we're feeling like we're not, we're not engaged in spiritual warfare. We're not in a battle. We're not really a threat. If we're being honest, we're not, we're just not a threat to the kingdom of God. We're just not. And I think it's time that maybe the flaming arrows have come and you didn't, you weren't prepared like you needed to be, and they're starting to burn your house down and burn your life down. It's time for you to get back to that place where you say, you know what, I'm going to repent of these sins. I'm going to repent of these patterns I've started to develop in my life again. I can't believe I went back there, but I did. But I'm going today to make a conscious decision. I'm going to repent of those sins, and I'm going to turn away from them again, and I'm going to go God's direction. I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. And and, and I'm going to begin that by putting on the full armor. I put on part of it. I didn't put on all of it. The belt of truth, I have no truth. I don't ever study the scripture. 
I don't even know the truth. And so I'm going to start putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness that, that to my very core in my heart is going to be protected because of the righteousness of God. And my heart isn't going to be led astray from the darkness and the sin and all the entanglements of this world. And I'm going to start sharing the gospel and I'm going to be ready to share my faith. I'm going to know what I believe. And my fear will be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I'm going to take up the shield of faith and it's going to extinguish all the temptation and everything that Satan wants to throw my way. I'm going to look him in the eye now and I'm going to say, bring it. I'm ready. Because I'm putting on the full armor of God. Next week we're going to talk about the last two pieces. But today, I want us to go back to the upper room. Go back to Jesus, sitting around a table, celebrating Passover with his disciples. And he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body going into battle. It's my body that's going to be broken for you. You're going to watch me be tortured tomorrow. When you take this, do this in remembrance of me. And he passed that bread around, and and all of his followers, they, they took that bread and they remembered. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he established the cup. He called this the blood. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you take of this, do this in remembrance of me. And we see the tradition of the early church in the book of Acts. is when the believers came together on the first day of the week. It says they broke bread. And because we want to be a Bible church and we want to do things, Bible things and Bible ways, we, when we gather like this in the first day of the week, we break bread. And we take the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and we do this to remember him, to remember his sacrifice. Because it's through his sacrifice and our putting our faith in that sacrifice, in that resurrection of the dead, that we too can have newness of life. That we too can have peace with God, that we too can put our faith in Him. This meal is a peace meal. Through the bread and the cup, Jesus brings us peace. Let's remember that as we take communion this morning. And hopefully when you came in this morning, you got those elements. If you didn't, if you just hold up your hand, I'm sure we can have somebody bring you those if you want to slip out and grab those. And hopefully if you're online with us this morning, whether you're you know, in, the, in the rest home or maybe you're just at home, maybe you're in a hotel room somewhere, take a moment, take up a, a cracker and some juice and do this in remembrance of Jesus. Remember his sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word that just speaks to us. It, it, the, the Bible says that it cuts joints and marrow. It cuts us right to the heart. Because, God, the, the Word of God is like a mirror. We look into it and we see ourselves for who we really are. It's the true image. It's the up-close mirror. It shows everything. And sometimes we can look in that mirror, God, and we can get so discouraged because we don't like what we're seeing in our lives. We're in these sinful patterns and we're, we're not doing the gospel. We're, 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 we're not sharing our faith. We're not being discipled and growing deeper in a walk with you. And Lord, we can hit the reset button today. And Lord, it's a reminder of how is this possible is right here in this memorial meal that we get to share with you. This bread that represents your, your body, this cup that represents your blood. Lord, we take this and do this in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice 
that covers all of our sins. And Lord, we're choosing today to put our faith in him, the one that overcame it all, the victorious king. We find our victory in our spiritual battles and in our life because of his sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you for that. I pray as we spend this time with you, God, in these next few moments, and as we take these emblems together, Lord, that we remember where our source of power, the power of his might comes from. It comes from the sacrifice of the precious Son of God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, take a few moments this morning and commune with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.